It's Thursday, August the 20th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Apple's ecstatic valuation and darkening clouds over Belarus. First, the world in brief. Having reached a market capitalization of $1 trillion just over two years ago, Apple hit a value of $2 trillion. It is the first American company to reach such a high mark. The valuation is a reflection of the success of the technology company's increased focus on devices other than smartphones, including smartwatches and wireless headphones. Airbnb filed papers with American regulators to launch an initial public offering. The home share platform was clobbered by the pandemic, but has recently seen sales pick up. The firm had initially planned on a direct listing in which no new shares are issued, but opted for a traditional IPO instead, possibly because of the American stock market's buoyancy. Johnson & Johnson agreed to buy Momenta, a biotechnology company, for $6.5 billion in cash, sending Momenta's stock price up. The medical giant aims to bolster its pharmaceutical arm with Momenta's pipeline of potential drugs, notably those for treating autoimmune disorders. Belarus's president, Alexander Lukashenko, ordered his police to extinguish protests over the recent election, saying there should no longer be any disorder in Minsk of any kind. He also tightened border controls, citing concerns about foreign agitators. Mr Lukashenko claims, implausibly, to have won some 80% of the vote. Meanwhile, EU leaders agreed to draw up sanctions on the country. Soldiers who ousted the president of Mali promised to oversee elections in reasonable time. Ibrahim Boubacar Keita was forced to resign late Tuesday night after being arrested by mutineers. Today, West African leaders are due to meet to discuss the coup. They fear instability could be exploited by Islamist insurgents who roam the region. President Donald Trump said he will demand the United Nations reimpose sanctions against Iran that were lifted as part of a nuclear treaty in 2015. It comes after his administration failed to persuade other countries to extend an arms embargo. With America having withdrawn from the treaty in 2018 and scant international support, Mr Trump seems unlikely to prevail. On schedule, albeit online, Kamala Harris accepted the Democratic Party's nomination as a vice presidential running mate in the November election. She is the third woman to take the role, but is a first twice over being black and Asian American. Barack Obama joined other Democratic grandees in praising the Biden-Harris ticket and said the current president has shown willing to tear our democracy down. And editor's note, in our exclusive interview, Bill Gates says the pandemic will be over by the end of 2021. Millions of deaths are yet to come in poor countries, he adds. He laments the politicization of the response to the virus in America and the spread of conspiracy theories, some implicating him. Read more at www.economist.com forward slash Gates 2020. And now, here's today's agenda. A fresh start, Iraq and America. Both leaders may be out of practice. 
Today, Iraq's Prime Minister Mustafa al-Kadimi makes his first trip to the White House, a rare occurrence since COVID-19 made diplomacy a virtual affair. His predecessor, Adel Abdul Mahdi, never got the chance. He was seen as too close to Iran. Mr. Kadimi, who visited Iran last month, is trying to keep both powers on side, pledging to rein in the powerful militias that have attacked American bases. While in Washington, he hopes to discuss badly needed energy and trade deals. Low oil prices crippled Iraq's government, which relies on the black stuff for 90% of revenue. With limited borrowing capacity, it may have to print money, cut spending and burn foreign reserves just to pay the bills. Back home, the heat is on for Mr. Kadimi. Many Iraqis are sweltering through 50-degree days amid eight-hour power cuts. COVID-19 cases are soaring. A meeting with Donald Trump may almost be a welcome respite. Net income. Britain and the EU talk fish. As Britain and the European Union resumed post-Brexit talks this week, fisheries remain a bone of contention likely to get stuck in the throat. The common fisheries policy guarantees EU fishermen access to British fishing waters. The EU wants to preserve that access after the transition period ends on December 31st, insisting that there can be no trade deal without an agreement on fish. This is hard for Brexiteers to swallow. Taking back control of fisheries was a key motive for leaving the Union. Britain wants to decide on access to its waters as a sovereign country on an annual basis. Fishing is a tiny industry, less than 0.1% of British GDP and just 12,000 jobs, so a compromise under which British fishing quotas rise but EU fishermen retain some access should be possible. But politics on both sides makes accommodation hard. Don't expect an agreement until the final days of the negotiations this autumn. No holiday, Merkel on the Med. Angela Merkel heads to the French Riviera today as the guest of Emmanuel Macron. Such invitations are rare. The last German Chancellor to visit the Fort de Brégançon, the official French presidential retreat, was Helmut Kohl, hosted by François Mitterrand 35 years ago. But Mr Macron's and Mrs Merkel's recent success in creating an EU-wide debt-financed recovery fund has reinforced the bond between the two. That doesn't mean that they agree about all the issues of the day, including the crises in Lebanon and Libya. Especially contentious is the question of how to deal with Turkish aggression in the eastern Mediterranean. Mrs Merkel has favoured dialogue, while Mr Macron has made a muscular show of support for Greece and Cyprus by temporarily reinforcing France's military presence in the region. The sparkling waters of the Med will provide a deceptively tranquil backdrop as they discuss a sea of regional troubles. By a thousand cuts, Turkey's economy. Turkey's central bank, which meets today, has an interesting brief. Raise borrowing rates without appearing to do so. The country's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, opposes high rates, arguing they cause inflation. Past experience, and most economists, suggest otherwise. The bank has spent a year indulging Mr Erdogan, cutting rates by a cumulative 15.75 percentage points and burning through tens of billions of dollars in reserves to prevent Turkey's currency from weakening as a result.
but its reserves are depleted. The lira has sunk to new lows and inflation is in double digits. To avoid Mr Erdogan's wrath, the bank recently tightened through the back door, directing local banks to borrow through its late liquidity window at 11.25%, three points above the benchmark. Foreign investors are unimpressed. The lira remains weak. A rate increase would relieve some of the pressure. A cut, which is what Mr Erdogan wants, could spark a fresh currency crisis. In the dock, Ethiopia's transition to democracy. Ethiopia's most prominent and controversial opposition leader, Jawa Mohammed, is due to appear in court today. He stands accused of inciting the mass protests and widespread violence that followed the murder of a prominent Oromo singer and activist on June 29th, leading to more than 200 deaths. Jawa, who is also a member of the Oromo, Ethiopia's largest ethnic group, is one of more than 9,000 people arrested, including several opposition politicians. Today's preliminary inquiry has been delayed several times at the request of the police, who say they are still gathering evidence. Jawa has been held without charge since June 30th. He has denied any involvement and says he is now sick. The government says he is not. For many Ethiopians, Jawar is a dangerous rabble-rouser, but the trial is a test of the reformist credentials of Abiy Ahmed, the Prime Minister, who has promised an independent judiciary. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Fred Hoyle, who died on this day in 2001. Space isn't remote at all. It's only an hour's drive away, if your car could go straight upwards. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.